0: ah Ah,
1: what a lovely day marvelous mondays back in effect your boy chocolate knox in the studio i've been gone for a very long time and none of you have missed me and it almost hurts my feelings you know it almost is like you kind of got a glimpse of what happens when you die. You just get forgotten. Nobody remembers you anymore. And this is like more reason to make sure everything that you do in life, only what you do for Christ is going to last because it didn't take long. Two weeks and y'all forgot about me so quickly. And I'm not mad at you. I I, I forget about me sometimes too. I was out in Arizona doing some treatments with my son for his con- his concussions and I was out there for like two weeks. And that's all it took. I started doing this thing every day and just in two weeks, I was forgotten that quickly. So let me give you a reminder of what Marvelous Mondays are all about. Marvelous Mondays is about the undoing of the wicked. You know, the way that God's world is designed to run, bad guys think that they're the ones who are actually getting the upper hand. They feel like they have to be deceitful in order to get ahead. And they intend on trampling over. Oh, David Reese is here. Well, hello, Mr. Reese. I was just hanging out with that guy. Um, they think that the way to get ahead is to stump out the light. You got to push people aside. And so the wicked, when they do things, they're actually working toward God's ends of being de- of destroying their type of uh, way that the world works and bringing, ushering in the meek and the humble and the righteous into places of authority and victory. And so as the wicked becomes more consistent with themselves, they fall apart. And it's been that way ever since the promise of the gospel. And it really, 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 really took hold at the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so every day, particularly on Mondays, because people really don't like Mondays. It's like the worst day of the week for most people. But it should be one of the best days of the week because we just got done hearing about the triumph and victory of Christ yesterday. And so it's the first day that we get to go into the week talking about, wow, another wonderful day that the wicked loses again and takes another L. Oh, uh, uh, uh. marvelous day, y'all. And so I love like, I love taking in Mondays, the days that people think, oh, this is such a horrible day. I got to go to work. No, 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 no. You get to go to work and serve the Lord with what you're doing. And in doing so, You are working towards the end of blessing people in the kingdom, growing the kingdom, advancing the kingdom through the gospel applied. And so we get to take joy in Mondays because they're all marvelous to see the wicked get crushed. (laughs) And there's only two ways the wicked gets crushed. Either God's going to crush you in judgment and giving you judgment now, or he puts that burden on his son and he is crushed and he is bruised and he takes your judgment and he. Gives you righteousness, so man, it's always a wonderful, wonderful time to celebrate the gospel of Jesus Christ, particularly on Mondays. Excuse me, while I take a lovely sip from my sponsor, <clears throat> this mug that they've given me. <clears throat> oh, oh, this is good. Oh, I don't know if I've told you or not about newhearttreasures.com. dot Yeah, see, this is my sponsor. They give me really cool mugs. Now, I talk a lot about our coffee. But let me tell you something, when this coffee is in this mug, the fill of the mug is different, the taste of the coffee. I don't know if there's something magical Hannah is doing over at newhearttreasures.com, but she has these lovely design mugs. I I think it's such a unique shape. It feels great in my hand. I love holding it, but I also love drinking from it, and I feel better every time I do. There's something else. Since David Reese is on the line here, um, I want to talk about what he talks about, and he talks about having Bible verses hung up in your house. You should have the word of God put in your house, on the walls, around so your eyelids could see them, keeping the word of God freshly in front of you. You kind of commanded to do that. Do you know that newhearttreasures.com, Hannah over there, actually has... I went looking for Bible verses on that was artistically done and not just like spray painted and it looked ugly, but something that was artistically done to beautify our, the home. And it's hard to find... Let me say like this. It's hard to find good Bible verses in context um, and just good content put beautifully on some sort of tapestry to hang up. It's so hard. And so you can go to New Heart Treasures. She has some smaller items. And here's the thing about Hannah. If you go over there, she will make things for you. You can contact her on that little uh, uh, reach out, contact us, little info thing. And you can say, Hannah, I would like something this size, this wide with this Bible verse on it. I want it to look beautiful. I'm sure she will work with you to develop that. And not only that, if you can't buy anything, but you just want to support her, you can actually get prayer from her. She and her family will pray for you. Just going over to the notes section or into the uh, comment section about us, contact us, fill that out and get somebody to pray for you. So that's just a lovely thing that Hannah does. So go support Hannah. And newhearttreasures.com, I really appreciate them. And so, excuse me, I got to take another sip from this mug. Um, uh, you could slurp like this, too, if you had this mug. It's so good. So today, a couple things. Knox Unleashed has not been going the last two weeks, and I haven't forgotten about it. I just haven't been able to do it. But I wanted to give you guys a little bit of an update about what's going to happen with Knox Unleashed. I'm not going to be doing it every day. I know. God has been good, so I have projects to finish. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to maintain Knox Unleash for at least two days a week, Mondays and Fridays. I really, really love the two guys that I talk to consistently, even off air. One of them is Jason Farley, who I have with me right now. We're going to talk to him about a class that he's doing on um, the uh, the university – the Pub University, we're going to talk about that in just a second, but also um Bishop David Reese, who's actually on uh, on spaces right now, I've loved the conversation I've been having with these two gentlemen, and even though my schedule has become too busy to be able to do this daily, I'm going to do a lot more production post production editing for the app, getting more content out for you guys. And then I'm going to be continuing the conversation basically on civic covenanting, kind of the whole Christian nationalism dialogue that's been happening. There's a lot of layers, a lot of layers that people are not talking about as it relates to the idea of civic covenanting. And it's been lovely working through these offices, working through um, the covenant family structure and how it bleeds into the civil structure and how right worship, right disciple, right um, doctrine, and then right discipline has an order that works its way right into the civil. And it's just the conversation I think we should be having around Christian nationalism. And so I'm going to maintain those two conversations. It's kind of going to be more like Knox unplug and, and then knocks unleash on Fridays. And then every now and then I might feel the spirit and want to do something on Wednesdays. Who knows? But I'm not completely going away. Just going to adjust the schedule so I can get more content out on the app, and just really focusing on just those two, those two gentlemen. I think they have a lot to bring to the table. Uh, one of my friends who's with me now to talk about what he's doing. Now he doesn't know I'm going to do this. Jason, are you there? There you go. You here with me? I'm here. Okay. Now I didn't tell you I was going to do this, but on Mondays. What you have to do is you got to talk about at least one of the things where the wicked are planning for something for evil. The God ends up using it for good and flips it on them. That's what Marvelous Mondays are all about. What is it that you would point to this particular day and say, oh, yeah, they didn't see this one coming, but this is how God is using this to flip it on the enemy and they get in play. Kind of like, you know, Marvelous Mondays will almost be like the resurrection. Like they, they didn't see that one coming, but God used it.
0: Just a story that I've seen recently.
1: A story, or, uh, or some, an issue, or something that's currently yeah. happening where it's like, "Oh yeah, this is going to work out for good," even if it's not completely worked out. This is going to work yeah. out for good, and they don't people don't know it yet.
0: Here, here's something that uh, I, I, that still makes me smile every Sunday. So, do you remember back when the governor of Washington said, "Because of COVID, uh, you can't sing anymore in church." Yeah. It was a while ago. Yeah. Well, at the time, my pastor stood up and said, the governor of Washington, our governor has told us we're not allowed to sing uh, because of COVID, but Jesus didn't give us permission to uh, not sing. So I want you guys to sing extra loud. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) And since then, my church belts every hymn so much louder um, than it ever than than before uh, because uh, of that one moment and um, there's nothing like the loud praises of the saints to uh, make the the uh, devil and all of his minions uh, take a step
1: back and say uh oh <laughs> um I, you know what I'm wondering I've been it's funny because I was thinking about this my. My kids were talking in the car and they were saying to themselves, how old were you when COVID happened? Now, my oldest is 16, right? Okay. And they were going through this. And it was funny because we're hitting that point where it's about to be four years.
0: It's right? crazy that it's that long ago, but it's less crazy that uh, that my <laughs> that my church still sings loud because of that. Right. They're, yeah. Yeah.
1: And and I'm thinking, and I've said this before, I'm thinking we need another moment like this. And here's what's crazy. It, it, it hurts. It hurts because nobody wanted to go through that. Nobody wanted to. But here, here's what I think. I think we need to go through COVID again because I'm watching some of the conversations that are happening online. And all of them are pointed the wrong. At least it feels like to me. It feels like they're pointed the wrong direction. Right. Um, and. And some of the things that's come out of I, since COVID, we've had now people convinced that we need a parallel economy, Christian economy, not just any kind of economy. We have now since 2020, people convinced that we need a parallel Christian economy that acknowledges Christ is Lord, freedom is essential, the the a sphere of sovereignty in, enacted, people making commitments for their employees that they will work. Uh, To keep them employed during these times and so on and so forth. We're not going to shut down. And, and I'm like, yes, praise God. Like there was a lot of great things that came out of COVID. And that have become now just another political thing, instead of like, no, this is a human Christian thing. Yeah. And I want I don't want people to get lost. Thinking about oh, you know, this is a political position. More than like, no, 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 this is a Christ is Lord situation. This is important because God is the one who has given us the rights that our government is supposed to be acknowledging. And when they don't acknowledge those rights, they need to repent in the same way any other sinner who steals, who lies, who cheated. Right. Like they need to repent. Um, and a lot of people didn't come to that realization, uh, at least in a practical way until covid. And so I'm like watching everybody kind of like turn back in with their guns and fight each other or fight good guys or people who are on the same team or I'm like we need another we need a covid 2.0 because we got yeah. I thought that what covid would have done would have brought a um, a larger coalition of reformed evangelists together to say you know what all the stuff that you theonimus have been talking about for years was right. Right, all the stuff you guys were yeah. talking about for years was right, and we missed it. And you know what? Let's team up together, create a more uh, perfect coalition of evangelicals. Right? Um, it's funny we were able to get a statement out on social justice and the gospel, and the social justice movement never shut us down. <laughs> right. Like, just think about that for a second. We were able to get a statement out on, you know, all sorts of different things around theological issues, and none of them have had the effect on us economically, uh, like the federal government, and theologically. I mean, the federal government has involved itself into our forms of worship and telling us that we can't enjoy the Lord's table and sing to the Lord. They've, they've, They've ripped apart the church. And we haven't even been able to put together a statement to, as a church to say, yeah, you know, we're not yeah. going to do it ever again, right? let's like, <laughs> just all of us reformed folks get together. Instead, what has seemed to happen is everybody jockeyed for, no, we always stood, or we stood before them, or everybody's jockeying for the position of power so they can win the evangelical base instead of figuring, like, guys, maybe we come together and form some sort of allegiance <laughs> with each other uh, yeah. about civil things that our Bible says, you know, um, which is really why the, the important, you know, the conversation with um, with Mr. Uh, I always want to call him Doctor, but David Reese has been so important uh, on Fridays, which is why I'm t- really excited to talk about what you're doing on the Pub uh, University. So,
0: and, well, I I think one of the reasons that we end up fighting with each other is because we have our definitions of who we are as christians are always nihilistic they're they're over against what we're not we're not them we're not them we're not them and because of that we end up with a negative definition and we don't know how and without a positive definition that says we are the people who follow jesus who gather on sundays who rest once a week who come to the lord's supper who baptize who uh, share the gospel. We're the people that are gathered to Jesus um, as our primary definition, rather than our, the people who are gathered away from them or them or them. Because of that, we, we uh, don't know how to unify. We only know how to separate. And unless we separate into the same small enclave, we find ourselves unable to, uh, to, to know what to do uh, with the questions of who is us and who is them, right? Because we have by you know most of our definitions of ourselves are nihilistic. And that's why I think that the that the singing loud stuck, because as soon it, it's a positive thing to do. As soon as you experience a congregation that sings wholeheartedly all of the time, nobody wants to go back to what it was before. And so um it it's a the argument from the beauty of even you know he even uh, mediocre hymns sung with the whole heart are are uh, is intoxicating.
1: I want to talk about pub university and what it is and why we're doing it. so we created pub university because
0: we created pub university because uh, we need a, a place where people that have realized they didn't get um the education that they uh, that they ought to have gotten that they can go back and get it and it, um he, for the sake of their own humanity and the humanity of their offspring right? um to when they when they realize the great conversation of humanity has been going on um in, inside and outside the church for 2000 years and they haven't been a part of it because nobody told them about it um we need a place that says we'll come over here and let's learn what it is uh, to be human again together. Um, so that's the what it is to be a free people. The liberal arts are, I mean it's the education that a free man gets, and um, that's why Christians have been at the at the heart of giving a liberal education, a liberal arts education, for the last 15, 1,600 years, uh, seventeen hundred years, really. And we want to. Uh, do that again and so rather than wait around for somebody else to do it we're going to not despise the day of small beginnings and jump in with pub university and and uh work on that um the the availability of a liberal arts education again
1: one of the things that i was learning since we were doing knox unplugged was the fact that the five-foot bookshelf from uh uh, Harvard, was it the Harvard classics yep. The bookshelf? And one of the things that they did was that they knew that at the time society, the men had to go and become breadwinners and they knew that they didn't have the time to give after working their eight hour day, 12 hour day, whatever, how long they were working in the fields. They didn't have the time to go to a university and to a college. And so, uh, was it Charles Elliott, I believe, was it uh, the president at the time? Yeah. Came up with the five foot bookshelf and said, if you, why is it? it keeps doing the dub, it just keeps it loves the dub. Um, you know, if I can create, if you had this five foot bookshelf over the next 10 years, you would be able to have a liberal arts education, right? You would, because it was important that they would remain free. They had these blessings and these freedoms that had been handed down from generation to generation, and they wanted to make sure that the people coming afterwards would be able to understand and defend why they did what they did, where they get their liberty from, what – like you said, the conversation that they were in. And and since we've been having – I've been seeing how inept I have been in knowing the conversation that – I've I've been breaking the fifth commandment in one sense or another where I haven't honored – the people who have come before me, right, and and sought to understand the things that they've understood, and so, um, and they've handed, they've worked really hard to make sure that I've got them. They put them in books. I mean, I could, I don't think I'll ever write a book in my lifetime. I just, I'm not that guy. I just can't put it together. But I want to make sure that if my forefathers have said you need this to maintain the things that we worked for to give to you, I need to spend my time getting this. And so. But they've done a great job to make it easy. And so we're trying to put together our version of the Harvard five foot bookshelf, um, you know, liberal arts education and the way that you decided, and you're the what, president Dean of the university. Yeah. <laughs> Have we settled on a title
0: yet? I don't, I don't think we've settled, settled on a title director or something like that. Yep. Yeah. Um, and yeah, the, I mean, I, I just saw, uh, Bill Maher um, in a debate trying to explain all the things that he said, all the things that liberals brought to the world. And he started list- listing off the, uh, the, the benefits of freedom and liberty and the liberal arts education. And, and I was thinking that the word liberal has changed such that that is no longer, you're no longer telling the truth. Um, and whether he's trying to lie or not, um, you're not telling the truth to say you know liberals brought us um, things like the uh, the jury system is one of the things he listed right. The reality is the jury system um, is uh, well we we put liberty we we put liberalism and conservatism over against one another um, and and we end up turning it into a rivalry rather than saying what we we are the people that are fighting for liberty. And there's uh, liberty at all of the different at, at all of the different jurisdictions that we want, right? The personal jurisdiction where we have control of ourselves, and so we can live with liberty, liberty within our families, liberty within the church, liberty within the civic realm. Each of those liberties uh, is a different def- definition. What it looks to be free. Uh, as an individual has to do with virtue and self-control. And um, we're free from the shackles of sin, free from the shackles of inordinate desires, free from the shackles of all of the things that uh, bind us up as individuals, all the way up to a civic freedom that says here is what the here are the limitations that should be put on the government because of experience, because of the nature of what the government is, what God has said the government is for, all of those things. All of all of the liberties at all of the different levels and, and jurisdictions uh, have we've had long multi generational conversations about what that means, how to restore it. When we've lost it, how to gain it? Um, w- where it isn't, uh, how to protect it? Once we have it, we we know as a, as as a people we know those things, but we've forgotten them because we haven't. Uh, you, even though you, you I, I've walked into a goodwill before and seen every book necessary to get a liberal arts education on the shelf, and thought, but here it is a goodwill. It's a it's a dollar twenty five each is forty forty dollars fifty dollars maybe to get uh, a liberal arts education from this goodwill but nobody knows it's there and right? nobody knows that freedom is on those shelves and uh, that so we we walk out with you know another we walk out with you know another set of cowboy boots and air air old air ones instead of the freedom that's there on the shelf
1: So even though we're talking a lot about the political realm right now, or at least that's where everybody seems to go about when we talk about education and freedom, but you just broke all of it down to self-government, family government church government, civil government, right? And so liberal and all those things. And one of the things I, I really uh, appreciate, again, that's why I'm, you and Reese I'm sticking to, I don't want to yeah, cancel yeah. those out, but the way that Reese even talks about this, liberty is the idea, is the freedom to do what's good. And that's what you were talking about with yeah. virtue. Like people, think, have used liberty as ability to do whatever I want, but that's not actually liberty, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. But the way, the place where we want to talk about, particularly in the pub university where, where people can, what's the website people can go to?
0: It is flfnetwork.com backslash university.
1: FLF backslash university is December 5th. Correct. December 5th is when we have two classes,
0: this, this, the two classes, the first two classes kick off December 5th. Yeah. Yep, it's, it's December 5th. The first two classes kick off. Uh, and the first two classes are apologetics. One. Uh, um, it's the, the basics uh, of what it is to, um, the, the, the basics of a, an outward and inward defense of the faith. Um, the five, the eight apologetic, like I call them the apologetic habits of thought. Um, some I've, I've heard them also called the, uh, the, the, uh, the foundations of a worldview, they all different things. It's an apolo it's apologetic course. That says, "What is it that we are defending when we say we're defending the gospel? What does a defense look like?" And so that that one kicks off uh, on Monday, and then on and it's you know, it's the next eight Mondays, and then uh, the other one is the mission of God for the family.
1: Okay, that's the one and I so, was like that. I, that's the one I really was talking about, and I got the timing mixed up. So December fifth is the apologetics course.
0: Is, is the apologetics? So then December sixth, it um, Tuesday nights is going to be. The mission of God for the family.
1: Okay. So you're doing well. You're one, one Monday, one Tuesday,
0: one Monday, one Tuesday. Yeah. Just diving in and um, the, they're going to be recorded. So they're, so um, if you sign up, you can be there live, but if there's one that you miss, there's a recording that you'll get. And um, and the mission of God for the family. So what uh, I want to do is go through each of the uh, each of the jurisdictions and talk about what God created them for, uh, what they are and what God created them for. And so the, fir- the first one we're doing is the the mission of God for the family. What is the family? And when God established the family in the Garden of Eden, what did he establish the family to to accomplish? Um, so rather than always being on the defensive with our family, we can get our families on the offensive, get them out accomplishing the mission that God has for families.
1: Okay, so I have a rule. If you're gonna talk on this show, you have to have proved that you have shared it somehow. So right now we are live on Facebook, Cross Politics Facebook, we are live on YouTube, we are live on X, both my personal X and Cross Politics X, and we are in spaces. And so if somebody shares the show, they get to talk. If you don't share the show, you just keep listening. Don't try and access the conversation. But L has shared the show. So she gets to ask a question or make a comment. L, you have the floor in fifteen seconds.
0: I wanted to know if the university courses are good for non-Americans. They're right. good for all humans. They are going to be in English um, because that's the only language that I speak hyperfluently. My Spanish is really um, not very good, and my. Latin is even worse, so they're going to be in English, um, but you can uh, sign up from anywhere that you'll be able to get a, uh, even from, let's say, Canada, if you are, for example, from Canada, you will be able to sign up for it. (laughs) Is, and all the, so all the information um, that, and let me just clarify this, um, Jason. So you said apologetics is going to be covered and then mission of God for the family. So those are two separate topics and both of those are covered over the course of how many classes? Eight, eight weeks is what we're doing. So there's eight classes for each one. And, um, and that's the, the goal so we we'll, you know we've got some other classes uh, coming up you know uh storytelling for st- using storytelling to gain wisdom or using stories to gain wisdom um and we'll do that with uh fairy tales first and then um and then uh you get we we'll have uh, we have a number of other teachers beginning to line up um and it's all but it's all the theme of all of the classes is going to be around Uh, What does it mean to live well in the world that God made? Right. So what does the good life look like? um, And how does knowing what it is to be human uh, and what kind of creature God made us, what, what he made us for, um, how does that work its way out into all different areas of life?
1: That's good. Um, So Jason, what is, what would it give, give me an example. I I really want to focus in on the family one a little bit, and I know there's so much more to deal with the politics, but here's, And here's why I want to focus on the family one, because the way that I'm looking at things from this perspective, it seems to me that everybody is willing to talk about the importance of the family in one sense or another, and yet really is not working hard to define a disciple or work through the details of what they mean by that. It's almost like a throwaway political line to say, we got to get strong families, because it's like looking at a vehicle and saying man without tires car don't ride right <laughs> right, well, right. Yeah, you're right but where do you get tires how do you install the tires how do you take off the old tires that, that you know how do you put these things on um what are tires made of <laughs> you know we there's a whole observing the fact that a car without tires doesn't run doesn't help anyone who needs to find tires who right, already right. knows that right and so it's become a, a talking point but I've realized that nobody really is working through the details and the structures for people who are not um, there is. We are not in normal land anymore. We're not in normal territory anymore. Nothing is normal. Uh, The obvious thing isn't obvious for people. And you have an older generation that remembers closer to a semi normal. So they have the residue of that on them. But the generation underneath us that are in their 20s and in their 30s, um, they have no concept of normal. And the ones are in their 40s, like I think I heard about it somewhere. What normal was. What does that look like? Right. I
0: vaguely remember my grandparent my grandparents raising my parents with some sense of normality. But yes. that was maybe the last I heard of it or heard about it. Yeah. So um so the the overarching Uh, metaphor system that God gives for understanding the family. He gives right in the beginning in the garden of Eden, right? He establishes, uh, he he establishes the garden of Eden. And then um, he gives in, in the, so the, the, he establishes the land of Eden. And then on, in one area, on the Eastern end of the land of Eden, he puts a garden and then outside The the land of Eden, you've got the wilds. You've got the the wild areas. And from the beginning, that was how the world was arranged. That you had a land, in that land was a garden, and outside that land was the wilds. And those three spheres, uh, the garden of Eden, the land of Eden, and the wilds, uh, really... End up defining what it is that God uh, gives to each, uh, each uh, family to take care of. So they're supposed to establish a home where that that is like a garden, and the 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 home as a garden metaphor is literally from beginning to end in the Bible, right? The the garden, at, the home as a garden, the marriage as a garden, all of those uh, the uh, children being raised in the in uh, in the vicinity of the garden marriage, you know those that metaphor is used all throughout uh, all throughout the Bible and then the land is the place where there are resources that the that are gathered and brought home to the garden and then the land is transformed by the family over time into a garden more of a garden space even so you've got the home that's a garden and the land that's becoming a garden through uh resource gathering and resource rearrangement through dominion um is the the bible word where the the dominion is where is the transformation of an area into what it's intended to be and so the transformation of the land through the gathering of the resources and the rearrangement of the resources is the gardening of the land so that the the home that is a garden pushes its way out into the land. And then the children are raised with the, the uh, goal of going out into the wilds and transforming the wilds into a land, in that land planting a garden, and then uh transforming their their garden home into a place that then pushes out into the land and then they raise children that push out into a new section of the wilds so that is an overview summary of the of the uh the metaphor system i guess you'd say that god gives us for the mission of god for the family and then each uh person within the family is assigned a primary uh, a, a primary sphere right so the uh the wife is uh given the the home at where she is the uh what paul calls the house despot or the ruler of the home where she is the one who's in charge of uh of transforming and gardening that area and uh, the the husband is given the role of the land and, and remember the garden is a part of the land He's given responsibility over all of the land, but he's given a job that he can't accomplish on his own, which is uh, to uh, be fruitful and multiply and transform the garden. At, but he needs, he doesn't actually have what he needs. And so God brings him Eve and then they together are on that mission together. The word submission means taking on someone else's mission as your own coming under the mission of another. So Eve is wooed under the mission of Adam in in when it's working well it doesn't always work work right but when it's working well Eve is wooed under the mission of Adam and then his land that he's supposed to be transforming he establishes a garden for her to uh to garden so he can watch her garden and learn the wisdom of gardening that she does in the home and take that and use that wisdom uh to transform the land bring home resources for her to transform within uh the home and then the children are raised watching the the dominion of the land and being a part of the dominion of the land and being a part of the transformation of the land into a garden and being a part of the gardening process uh, within the home prepared to go out and be conquerors of the wilds in order to uh, then bring that uh, uh, the wilds into uh, a relationship with the garden um, as well so that's the, that's the overarching mission of God for the family.
1: I need a drink from my sponsor's mug real quick. Hold <laughs> on. Jason, this is what I mean by it's that whole idea is underestimated in the success of transforming a nation. Exactly. Um, and my fear has been that if people who don't understand that that is the story and the metaphor that we're supposed to be working with in the world, and the people who don't understand that get their hands on the sword or the symbol where everybody has kind of – where it's become this Machiavellian structure where all the power is there, then we are going to make some, some of the same errors that pagans make as it relates to how this is supposed to flow. And so this is not a small thing to grasp because when everybody's like, well, where's the power at? Well, it's not all in one place, right? It's not all in one place. And this this is why I think, because once you get everything you just define properly, the things that qualifies a man for whether he's going to be in the Ecclesiastical offices or in the civil offices, it's how he functions as the the, the officer of a, as a husband, and, and the role of a husband as a father, as a prophet, priest and king there. And so, if a guy doesn't know how to do those things in the home, his his qualifications. Um, we were kind of talking this, a little bit about this today on Cross Politics, but the qualification in these other areas, we don't know if he's qualified to even be there, right. right. And so, like, this is, I've gone, and this is one of the things I've really appreciated about being in Moscow is that I've gone over so many times, um, you know, what I want to do for the Lord, what I want to do this, I want to do that, I want to do this, I want to build this. There's nothing wrong with that. But then when I started looking, it's like, do I have the family foundation that I need in order to be able to build something great for the Lord? And a lot of times, and when you have such a broken family, you really have to ask that question because... You, you I mean, me and my wife. Was it me and my wife, or maybe you and I were talking about this? But um I think we were talking about this on Knox Unplug. Which, if you're gonna have wisdom as a king, you're gonna need to learn how to deal with your children and exercise wisdom and justice in those situations. And if you haven't learned to split a baby <laughs> with your own kids, right? Like, she stole my doll. It's my doll. It's you like, okay, here we go. It seems trifle like these are the trifle things, but you got to learn how to split the baby doll, right? Before you can learn how to split the baby in the civil realm, right? And we won't take the structures of that God gives us, the challenges God gives us in, in in the challenge of raising and discipling a family. We don't take those as as real work and real glory and real wisdom develop. We don't take those as those things because in our society, you don't have to have any of that in order to be able to win an election. You don't right. have to have any of that to start your own church. People just start their own churches out, you know, just contemporaneously. Like, ah, oh, I think I'll start a church and become a pastor. Nobody yeah. has, nobody needs to be qualified through the work that they've put in on the family in order to be in some of these offices. And so I'm, I'm like, we have to go back to the very, very basics. And one of the things, and this is my question, I guess, as I'm getting to here, is, you know, we the challenge that I'm having is, do, we chew gum and walk at the same time because we have to, like we can't not engage in the civil side of things. We have to, it's responsible to love our neighbors. We have to love our neighbors. Some of us are not very skilled at it, <laughs> but we have to do it. So right. how do we do both of those things at the same time?
0: Well, if you look at, um, Adam in the garden, he was told to guard the Mm -hmm. garden and to garden the garden, right? To, to, to make it fruitful. And when the devil comes to attack, he doesn't start with the garden of Eden. He starts with the garden of Eve. The first place that Adam failed to protect the garden was he failed to protect the garden of Eve, but it tells us in Genesis three that he was right there with Eve while the devil was talking to her while the serpent was talking to her. So so I I think, so you you hear people say, well, the family's important, but what we don't, uh, what we don't do is spend some time getting the roles of marriage. Right. Right. We, 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 we spend our time in defense about the roles of marriage, but we don't spend our time, um, actually saying but what does the bible teach right what yeah what it what is what does it actually look like what is the what's the difference between masculine glory and feminine glory what's the difference and um what does it mean that uh that the that uh men um you know that that men are to be glory givers and women are to be glory receivers or they they are you glory vessels you know all, all of these things that that god um talks about in the in how, what does that look like for a marriage to actually be functioning properly um we can't get there because uh we're defensive and we're embarrassed and we don't really know what the bible teaches um and so we end up defending traditional roles um, or something like that, rather than saying, no, I'm confident that I know exactly what the Bible teaches. Um, And I, and I know what it looks like to, for my marriage to go on offense and not just to to Mm. be on defense, you know, um, and then to raise kids that are dangerous. Uh, If, if we don't know, if we don't know uh, what they're for, we don't know how to raise them to be dangerous to the devil in his kingdom, right? We, we should, we want to raise little devil stompers because that's what uh, Romans 16 says we are. um, But we don't know how to harden the heels of our children to prepare them for dragon skulls.
1: Oh, okay. Oh, okay. I want you to go through kind of some of the talking points that you're going to work through in the class because you're actually laying out the case that you say most people aren't laying out. But before you do that, you just really got me, you know, on Knox Unplugged, which, by the way, everybody needs to listen to, especially this last one. The last few really have been really, 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 really good because we've been talking about the priestly duties of man, and I don't, I don't know a lot of places um, where we, you can have this conversation about the priestly duties of Adam and what he, how, what they look like um, post-resurrection, right? Um, and that's one of the things that I was telling you earlier. You and, and and David have been phenomenal in working through those things, I'm like, where's, where's the work at on this stuff? And it's just not, I don't find a lot of it out there. It's, it's a forgotten reality of the duties of man, the prophet, priest, and king duties of man. And, and so you, people don't have the conversation about it, but when you were talking about today on Knox Unplugged, we were talking about the oblation of, 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 of man. And that is the lifting up the priestly duties of man as it relates to other people. Right. So it's one thing to have a priestly duty towards eggs or, you know, materials like you were talking about dominion. Dominion is a priestly duty. Right. It's, it's taking the materials and um, taking the materials and making something out of them uh, that wasn't that didn't exist before. And then lifting it up to the Lord and say, Lord, look what I've done. <laughs> I'm, I'm acting like you, Lord. Right. Um, right. I, I'm creating. Right. Um, and so that's the duty that man has. But when you comes to people. How does he oblate people, and, and 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 particularly in marriage, how does a husband generate the kind of glory that he should that he can give to his wife? What does that look like? Because he, in order to generate glory, you have to be doing a priestly work, right? How do you how do you how do you generate glory, and then what does it look like to give to your wife, and then what does she do with it?
0: Yeah, I mean, this, I I think of this as and this is a phrase that I got from Chesterton, but he calls it the fierceness of domesticity, right? And he talks about how uh, wild dogs always run away, right? Wild dogs make terrible guard dogs, but a a domesticated dog is what you want um, as a guard dog because they fight fierce for their family. Um, They fight fiercely. And he he says the fierceness of of domesticity. He says a watchdog fights, but a wild dog, uh, often runs away. Um, and
1: did you have that quote sitting right there? Did you, is that in front of you or did you just pull off the top of your head? Uh,
0: it's from a book. It's from a book collected of collected quotes from Chesterton. It was where I got it. And I'm trying to remember the name of the book. It's
1: not, it's not in front of you right now. So you're just pulling off. No.
0: Oh, I, I thought you were. No, reading. But it's one that I've, it's one that I've quoted often enough and written and often enough that you just pick it up it's uh, there's more to the quote i can't remember the last part the reason is he's got a cuz then he goes into like how a husband is often compared to he that that a you know that a wild husband is is a bad thing but a domestic husband is much Fiercer because he'll protect his home, that sort of thing.
1: the only reason I was asking is because I don't like you acting like you know my questions ahead of time. And so it seems like you would already prepare for me. And I'm like, I don't like you to be prepared for me. <laughs> anyway, I interrupt. I interrupt. Anyway, go ahead.
0: So um, but I what you what you uh, uh and but the home. Now I can't even remember the question because what was the question?
1: The, 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 the home gather
0: glory. Oh right, right. So the 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 home is a play, is a people making place, right? The home is where people are made. So it, biologically, that's where that's where people are made. You know, the um between uh, when they when the husband and wife are multiplying um, people, and the wife is growing people. But there's also the formation of these creatures that are born into people, into members of the human race, the home, the sphere of the home is where that happens. Um, and the, the, the way that it happens is watching the husband, um, gather resources, rearrange resources, uh, bring resources, you know, a uh, home and watching a wife take those resources and transform them into, uh, into hospitality, right? So it's the transformation of resources into hospitality that, uh, when children are a part of that, that they become, uh, they they become the people God is intending them to be, right? Because that is a, uh, that is the, the triune life summarized. Right, is the um, this uh, go, going and coming, the, the the uh, where Jesus goes comes to earth and while he's here, he gathers people and then he comes back to the Lord. And because of his death and resurrection, he doesn't come back to the Father alone, right? In the Old Testament. Whenever you're in heaven, whenever we're given a picture of heaven, it's all angels. There aren't people there, right? The people are um, go to Sheol in the Old Testament. They're, they're where they're a shade, where they're a spirit separated from their body, and they're waiting. But they're not in the presence of God, right? If there's angels in the presence of God, but when Jesus returns to the Father every we he brings with him all of the people and what they become they, they are received in hospitality by the father because of the work of the son on the uh, on the cross and the, the spirit and resurrecting the son they're received in hospitality of the father and then they become a choir right they become mm-hmm. a glory choir they're gathered around the throne um praising and glorifying the father right the 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 triune work of God is a gathering uh, hospitality glorifying pattern right well that's the same pattern that God sets up between the the home and the garden mm. um, so we that this is this is part of the uh, I love what David Bonson says um, about you know I, I don't go I don't go to work just to just to bring home the bacon yeah um, have you know, bacon. Th- th- that's the yeah that's not all it is but that is an important part of it right? Right. Right. and that's not an inglorious part of it right that's not yeah. that's not a part that lacks glory it does lack glory if your attitude the, um sours the bacon on the way home but if if you bring home the bacon and your wife you know um makes it into a quiche and then you can have all the neighbors over and your kids get to be a part of that whole process. They're there, they're, you know, they're helping with the whole thing. That there is a triune, um, there is a, a a triune reflection in the family um, that is intended to transform young, young human creatures into adult human creatures. That it transforms them into people, right? Um, and that's a, a, a that that is the the eternal nature of the triune God, working its way out in history, and every family has the opportunity to be that reflection, right? So, uh, to uh, C.S. Lewis calls this transposition, where you've got the the triune life of God in eternity is like a symphony, right? It's a symphony that's worked out out there that's being played out there. Well, if you take a symphony and you transpose it onto the piano, you can play the same melody just on a simpler and single instrument. Well, the family is the piano working out the triune, eternal triune life of God. And that, um, because of the immensity of the eternal glory, it's not something that we can do in a snapshot. It's something that we have to do through generations because it takes that much to be able to truly reflect the glory of the triune life within a family. So that uh, that I think is the 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 fierce domesticity um, that Chesterton talks about, right? That you are reflecting the triune life of God as a family over multiple generations. And, and that's the equivalent of a piano playing, a, you know, a pianist playing an entire symphony on one piano, and then we, uh, and then the spirit takes that and you transforms it into a, you know a, 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 an offering before the Lord as well. So that's my summary of the glory of family life.
1: And then, and so, and so, the man's duty and responsibility in generating that glory is gathering. Particularly. Gathering,
0: he, he's gathering resources. He's um, you know, he's he is uh, making sure that his his family has that his wife has the resources that his family has the the safety that is uh, the, the safety the space a safe space to be able to reflect that in um,
1: duty. It, right. So there's a kingly duty in protecting the, the environment that has uh, been carved out.
0: Right, and then um, the prophetic duty of. Uh, of trying to help them understand and explain and making sure that they make it to church, right? Because a, a father is not a pastor. Right? Right. A pastor has a different jurisdiction, a different role, a different relationship um, to the family than, than a father has, which is good news. You you wouldn't want the father and the pastor to all be wrapped up into the same office. The that way, you would,
1: wouldn't want your king and your father and your. Yeah, that's all. Right. Well, yeah, you know, I don't know if it's a good idea. It got yeah, you, a good idea, right?
0: Right, and so um, the so also you know making sure that they that they're making it to church and providing an education and you know there's a lot of aspects. Um, and it's it's a job that's well beyond the abilities of a father. It can only be done by faith. Right, because mm. which is also good news, right? This is the Ecclesiastes aspect of it. God loves to give us jobs that we can't accomplish, right? So that we can de- depend upon Him in the midst of it and see, uh, you know, our plunking on the piano transformed with with an angelic choir coming in and uh, and the the work of the Spirit coming in and transforming it into something far beyond what we can do.
1: Sorry, not to trivialize, trivialize this at all but I'm going to (laughs) (laughs) Um, maybe I should say this to trivialize this whole setup, because um, one of the things that in a current marketing age, you know, we're talking about um, what is the, what's the website again?
0: FLFnetwork.com backslash university.
1: Okay. So we're talking about the, um, the university classes that you have going on. One's on apologetics, one's on family and, one of the things that marketing nowadays for most people they have to know is you know, if you're going to sell a weight loss program, what am I going to look like after I get done with your program? What is your program going to do for me in six weeks? This is an eight week program. So, you know, by, by and, and this seems so trivial, but I think it's valid in one sense because nobody really has a whole lot of time to waste, especially eight weeks. You can give an hour and a half or so every day, every Monday every Tuesday, depending on which class they decide to take. Um, what kind of people, because that's what we're after. If a liberal yeah. arts education develops a certain type of person and their liberal arts, it's free person, right? The, the art of being free, right? <laughs> free man's education, what kind of education or what type of person are, is going to come out of the class that you're going to teach on apologetics and the class you're going to teach on family?
0: Well, the goal is – so with both apologetics and um, with family is that you come out understanding better the beauty of God's plan, right? So um, with apologetics, we talk a lot about um, the, the beautiful the, – the, that a big – and a major aspect of, the, of a winning argument for the gospel, so to speak, is the beauty of it. Right. So if you spend some time talking about, uh, in, in apologetics, one of our, uh, discussion topics is, uh, is rivalry, right? What, where is, uh, when you're talking with somebody, there's always a, a fundamental rivalry somewhere that needs to be solved. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a K there's a chaos, um, and the the thing holding the chaos back, right. That there's, and, the um, most of the uh, most of the versions of the solution to that problem have to do with a, a god or some sort of human um, system supplying enough power to hold the chaos back, right? Mm. Whereas um, in the in the scriptures, uh, Jesus dives into the chaos of death swallows it all up into himself, pins it to the cross, takes it to the grave and leaves it there, chains it up. Right. And so when he comes back out, he comes back out saying, now the Prince of Peace is reigning. The Prince of Peace uh, is reigning from his throne and his peace uh, and the, uh, the, the spread of his government and his peace will have no end. It's a different kind of way of approaching it. Well, the goal is that you can then uh, have the confidence um, in sharing the gospel to know I've actually got the most beautiful of all Mm. things here, right? The gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ is the most beautiful of all things. And the invitation is to the supper of the lamb, Mm. the, the greatest of all moments, right? So, Uh, I've got the most beautiful thing and it's an invitation to the greatest thing, Uh, you know, a a loving relationship with God, the father through the Lord, Jesus Christ. Why would that be something that you now are ashamed to share? Right. And it's the same with family. You've got people coming after the traditional quote unquote, the traditional family all the time coming after um, Christianity as the thing that, uh, so uh, oppresses women for example right you've got um one of my favorite verses um when i go onto a college campus uh to say here's what i want to here's what i want to talk on is the part where a husband can nullify the vow of his wife in the law (laughs) because it gets all of the everybody immediately the hackles go up what do you why would you why why what is What is it that a a woman thinks, you know, she can't stand on her own two feet. She can't have her own vows. But the reality is Adam had the ability. He had the right to nullify the vow that his wife made with death. And he didn't take it. Mm, Jesus, Jesus does nullify the vow that his wife, the church makes with death. Right, that's our salvation. Right, that's the the good news is embedded into quote unquote traditional family values.
1: Right, I'm trying to, to do the thing because it's like yes, come on, that's my amen corner.
0: So once, as soon as you as soon as you realize that the the makeup, uh, the 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 metaphysical reality of the family, that the good news is embedded into it right? Mm-hmm. Then you can live out the the roles of, of husband and wife and father and mother and child. And you can live those out with a confidence and a joy that you're actually doing something that's beautiful and good uh, and not just true, but ugly, which I think is the way we tend to present um, the, the roles. I mean, almost every time I've heard somebody speak on the roles of husband and wife, it's apologetically, I'm so sorry, but this is what the Bible says. So we got to just do it. Or they say, Hey, it's, it's really a debate about who has it worse. Do husbands have it worse or do wives have wives have it worse. And usually Mm -hmm. the preacher is a guy. So he always falls on the side that husbands have it worse. And that just, I just hate that so much
1: but that's, that's if, against the two if, right that's an animosity it is.
0: It, yeah it is it's setting up a fundamental rivalry and it's basically we just don't realize that we've fallen into the critical theory and the one who's the most depressed gets the power but that's a whole another thing and we don't want to be communists uh. right? instead <laughs> what we need is to see the beauty the glory and the goodness of the way god set up the family and embrace it enjoy it and actually Uh, be able to lean into it full wholeheartedly and not uh, half heartedly.
1: All right. And this, both of these classes are available right now. How much room do you have left in? So you don't have a whole lot of room left inside of.
0: Yeah, we're getting close to full on the family one. um, And, but the apologetics one is about half full. So there's still some good room there.
1: I, I Listen, I get people all the time who are, hey, can we, it's, it's, I don't even think they're int- intended to, they're just looking for marriage counseling, they end up going for marriage counseling, or it just breaks out into a conversational marriage counseling. Look, do the, do the count, do the uh, one on family. I can't, I love the apologetics one, Jason, I know it's going to be great. And I think to some people who've got the whole marriage and family thing worked out, it's like, I'm doing pretty good there. Uh, j- Jump on the apologetics one, that's great. But the one on family to me, is probably the most important one because the apologetics is is built into the family. The apologetic yeah. is built into the family. When, when men in the culture and in the world see a man love his wife and raise his children in the fear and admonition of the Lord, and the work that she does in the home shines out, it shuts the mouths of pagans. It is an apologetic all by itself. And if we can get that kind of thing right as Christians in our home, it is um, men who have families to feed and protect will be the kind of men that will be great leaders in church and civil environments. And so I can't speak highly enough about men learning their duties and responsibilities as fathers and as husbands and practicing these disciplines in the home. before they get into these other offices, and so I can't, I can't tell people enough FLFnetwork.com dot uh, backslash university. Sign up for either one, but I'm always going to push the family class. The they're going to start January fifth. I'm sorry, December fifth and December sixth. Uh, yep. uh Somebody said this is my favorite stream. Keep up the good white brothers. <laughs> hey, thank you, Liquid uh, Cry, and then also. Uh, I so appreciate y'all's conversations. You know what? Thank you very much. We haven't had some in a long time. Knox Unplugged is available right now. You should go listen to that when We did that recording today talking about the priesthood of men and how we interact with other priests and lift them up, oblate them before the Lord. Uh, Offering of Uncles, a book that we've been working through on that. Um, and just so everybody knows. I will not be doing Knox Unleashed this week and at least into the new year. I have a projects that I want to finish for everybody on the pub app. I want to get you guys content out. And so for that purpose, I'm going to dedicate all the rest of my time for this month to getting that out. But I will be doing, I will be doing the, and continuing both Knox Unplugged on Mondays with Jason Farley and then the good Bishop David Reese. We're going to be working through civic covenanting. I think to me, so Knox Unplug is where I, I learn things. Knox Unleashed is kind of where I organize things with the two. So that's kind of how I've been working through it. But don't forget, so we'll do that. David Reese is going to be this Friday talking about the officers of the church. Don't miss out on that. There's going to be great content. I'm going to save it all up. And one more thing, one more thing before I head out of here. You guys, what you do on social media really does matter. If you like something, you have no idea the capital that you shared. When you hit the share button or the repost button, that stuff is like money in the bank. It's like coins. You know, it's like making it rain on social media. So if you can hit the like button, it doesn't cost you anything. That must, It's just so hard to move the thumb to the like. Oh, oh it's So hard. I know I get it. Just go ahead and do it. Um, It really is a help. It's how we are able to beat the algorithm. The comment section, you guys leave in comments. It's huge. Oh, uh, Young Flav was in here. I see you, Young Flav. Um, But anyway, it's so easy right now to be a a user of content without being an appreciator of content. One of the ways that you show you appreciate the content is just by hitting the like button, is by hitting the repost button. And you then can generate a culture that pushes content like transgenderism and... Dylan Mulvaney's of the world into a very small corner where nobody watches their content. So if you want to see better content, promote it, hit the like button, hit the share button. It's amazing. We're about to leave and people are just running up in here all of a sudden. Listen, people hit the like button. I know you're in here. Um, this one just flooded likes. <laughs> well, good. Thank you. Um, uh, FLF network for slash or backslash. Uh, University, go there and sign up for these classes, not a whole lot of room is left Um, and I would love for you guys to get this in and and then we got a bunch more stuff coming for Pub University Um, I can't even begin to tell you guys all the things we have going on, Uh, poetry literature Um, Jason, we're going to do what, have we been able to talk to your wife and do one on Jane Austen yet? Like that would be, I just bought all seven of her books (laughs)
0: <laughs> yep she's she's preparing it and prepping it and she'll be yes. ready
1: to go soon yeah so we got all kinds of things and if there's any other things that you guys want some classes on you can hit jason up about that and see if he can't find a, a good teacher for you so jason is dean of the class uh the dean of the university we're just going to name it and claim it yeah you guys name know it claim right? it. Yep, sign up for it and don't forget my wonderful lovely sponsors newhearttreasures.com where i get all my lovely mugs from what cigars are we smoking? Um, you know, I've um, I just got into these bottom Bettys. Are you familiar with these? <laughs> I'm a little ashamed. I've
0: been smoking backwoods cigars from the uh, okay, you from, know,
1: the, from, from the
0: gas station this week.
1: Okay, you know what? That's uh, you, you need to stop. That right I'm a big I know,
0: I know. So you guys, you guys can send me, send me um, cigars, yeah. Yeah, Jane yes, J- Joyce S says a Jane Austen class. Yes, my, you better believe it. my, it's it's coming.
1: His wife's a specialist in this. So, um, I like, uh, I used to really love Drew Estate's La Rutans, are called Naturals, and now they've switched them up. I think they've changed them out and replaced them with Bottom Bettys, Really nice, uh, kind of like uh. So I consider those like the Black and Miles for adults, a grown man's Black and Mile. You know. <laughs> uh, <laughs> So, but it's an adult. One, so that's I like those kind of cigars. Now that everybody's starting to come on here, I'm like, should I leave or should we continue going? Ah, it's so crazy. All right, last words.
0: Last words. Um, I I, I did get so uh, when I was at the F L F conference, a friend, uh, a new friend that I met there, brought me uh, some new pipe tobacco that I have been enjoying a lot. It's very nutty and nice. It's my favorite. So. But uh, uh, in terms of the class, I hope you guys will sign up and, and um, show up. I think it's going to be uh, a lot of fun. And these things, places where I've taught them before, um, the, having a positive vision for what God is calling you to do and not having to live in reaction uh, yeah. only, um, yeah. it's it a life changer. You know, it, it really is. So um, I'm, I'm hoping to be able to bring that uh, into more homes
1: yeah you know one of the things that I'm excited about with these classes is I get a chance to talk to you constantly and probably annoy you to no end. and to be able to have you know you teach a class of people to be able to enjoy the privilege that I have to be able to talk to you and they get to talk to you themselves it's a it's a it'll be a blessing um, for a lot of people. and I think you you said it best being able to have a um, not to be reactive, but to actually have an offense. Nobody knows what that's like. yep. and what's crazy is like we sit on our offense and we don't even know we have one. like the, the, the scriptures literally tell us that our kids are like arrows in the hands of a mighty warrior. and we're like, I wonder what that means. Yeah you know, I wish we had something we could do, right like but the whole the whole beautiful promise of the gospel was coming through a woman. It was coming through childbirth, you know, like, and protecting the sea. Like, this is uh, – and we have it right here yeah, in front. Yeah.
0: And we've, we've been a team that punts on first down, and we can't figure out why we keep losing.
1: Uh Oh, the Tactics Conference in January. I see you, Paula. Paula D., appreciate you. Thank you for listening and, and putting a com- comment in there. You know, it's, it's got all these people streaming, and a f- few people have liked it. Uh, again, guys – we got to work better at this. I, I've, I found myself doing this. There's a guy who was making content and he's got thousands of views and millions of views on his content, six, 700,000. And I realized to myself how much I have appreciated his content and haven't liked it. I've laughed and I've shared it internally, but not on social media. And I realized that, um, that I've just been a consumer and not an appreciator. And I left a comment on his video and said, Hey, man, I just want to let you know, I'm sorry like you actually spend your time and your energy to make me laugh and to bring me joy. And you do that to turn a profit. And part of the, and I know that you turn a profit because of me hitting the like button, me hitting the share button and me commenting. And I've watched at least 15, 20 of your videos and I haven't done that. And I said, I just want to let you know, bro, I'm sorry, not going to do that anymore. I really appreciate what you're doing. Keep up the great work. um, And I hope everybody starts commenting, liking your videos. Because I was convicted by, I mean, because that's how people are making it. People literally are going around. This is a beautiful thing. I should have said this for Tech Tuesday. Why am I playing this music? People are going around on social media and for free cutting other people's lawns. Literally going around cutting other people's lawns for free and recording themselves doing it. And then making more money off of cutting lawns than they make, uh, making more money off cutting lawns for free and posting social media than they make cutting lawns in real life all because people like to see something go from, this is dominion work, this priestly duty, right? <laughs> go from a horrible environment to an edged up. Have you seen these videos before? Oh,
0: I love these videos. I, this is I amazing.
1: Love them. And then not to hit, when, and that's what triggered it for me, not to hit the like button or the share button means that I don't get to see them bless other people, right? That's when it hit it for me. It was right. like, I love to see them bless other people and sometimes they get old folks and they, sometimes they're in the hood, sometimes they're all over the place and they say, hey, when's the last time somebody's cut this yard for you? Can I come in and cut it? And they're like, what, for free? Because I ain't got no money. He's like, no, no, we'll do it for free as long as you let us record and do it. And they let them do it and the yard is beautified and um, the community looks better and everybody's happy. Like This house was abandoned and, and, and all that I have to do in order to get these guys to continue doing what they're doing is just hit a like button. Right. All I have to do is hit a share button. All I have to do is just post it on my own social media. And I have become a, an, an, a, an obese social media hog that has consumed everything for my own enjoyment and not been thankful to the people who are doing the work. And it hit me right then and there. It's like, we have to do better about liking content that is a blessing. Liking content that is moving the ball down the foot, that is glorifying God. When you see something that is giving glory to God, like that stuff, share that stuff. Not all of it's going to be perfect. And and if you want more of it to exist, then you better start liking stuff, even the stuff that you don't completely 100,000% agree with. Find the good things that are godly, that are God-honoring, and share it and like it and engage with it. And when you don't do those things, when you just consume it and you're, or you scroll by it real quick and there's no reaction to it, you're actually communicating to the algorithm that you don't want this kind of stuff to exist, right? You don't want this kind of content to be spread around. So the next time that it shows up in your timeline, they're going to push it down further and further because they want you on their social media platforms. Well, disciple. The platform to give you the kind of content and give everybody else the kind of content that is God honoring, that is building other one another up in love and in in, in good works. Right, with words like find those kind of things that are good, like them, share with them, engage with them. And when you do that, it's amazing how something so simple like that, just hitting the like button, can actually has a transformative effect on social media platforms. And we don't even think about things in that context at all. We just think, okay, yeah, I didn't like this. I didn't like that. I didn't like this. Or we find things to hate intentionally. And we need to stop doing that. All right. Just like, yeah, that's enough. All right. That's it for this marvelous Monday. Every Monday, every day, you start to notice that God is undoing the work of the wicked, even though they're striving to try and uh, get at God. He just sits up in heaven and laughs. laughs. And so we can take joy in that. All right, you guys. I'll see you Friday with David Reese, um, flfnetwork.com backslash university. Sign up for one of these two classes with Mr. Farley. I think both of them will be a blessing to you. Don't miss out and hurry up because they're almost gone. Jason, thank you so much for joining me, brother. Appreciate you. Thanks for having me. See you, man. All right.